You are listening to the Teaching Pastor Podcast, a conversation about the process of going from passage to message for anyone who teaches the Bible. I'm Craig Hill. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this first inaugural episode of The Teaching Pastor, this kind of origin story of where this came from and why I'm doing this and uh, what we're doing here and what you might expect to hear in this podcast. So the tagline is this conversation about the process of moving from passage to message for anyone who teaches the Bible. Or to put it another way, uh, you're a pastor and maybe you just spent... um, 15 hours this week on your sermon. And nobody cares about any of it except the last 30 minutes you spend preaching it. And this community, this podcast, this place, we care about the other 14 and a half hours. We care about the process. Um, And so that's what I want to do. I want to talk a little bit about what I'm doing here, what I'm, why I'm thinking about this and, um, and what we might expect uh, in this. So Uh, I've been a teaching pastor uh, here in Southern California for a number of years. Uh, I work with a ministry to pastors called Standing Stone Ministry, where we offer uh, long-term support and a place to process for pastors. Um, But I also have been uh, training pastors in seminary for the last uh, decade or two at Biola University, where I taught for about 15-plus years, undergrads, and now I teach at Fuller Theological Seminary in their New Testament department. And I guess the most basic reason why I'm doing this is that uh, I care about what it is that you do. If you're teaching the Bible, if you are standing in front of people and talking about what the Bible says, if you're getting into a pulpit or behind some kind of a lectern, um, I just genuinely care about what you're doing. And I want to have some conversations about what this is and uh, what it is when we do move from the text of Scripture to the crafting and delivery of a sermon, a message, a homily, even a lecture in that sense, or a, or a Sunday school class. And wh- what's interesting is that I was, um, I've done a number of these interviews already, and what you're going to hear in this podcast is not like what you're going to hear in the rest of these podcasts. What I'm going to do in the rest of these is we're going to interview pastors. We're going to interview people who are going from the text of Scripture to a message either weekly or monthly or yearly, they are going through some kind of a process about that. But one of these pastors asked me, Craig, when did you get so interested in homiletics? And I had to think about it for a second. Homiletics is the idea of preaching and the craft of preaching and the craft of inflecting in a certain way. And and I thought about it for a second and I told him, you know, I'm not really interested in the the craft of homiletics. What I'm really interested in is the preparation that is spent from the time you think about a message and you get into the text of Scripture all the way through until the moment, right? Well, even the moment before you preach it, but also the preaching of it. But that's not the main issue that I'm trying to tackle here. What I really want to talk about and what I really want to kind of geek out about is this process that we go through when we spend time uh, in scripture, and we move through this process of getting into the pulpit and giving the word to the people in the congregation or 
uh, or giving the word to your Sunday school class or giving the word to uh, to your class or something like that. But, you know, all this, when you're a pastor and you're, you're preaching, you typically do a number of things. And it's weird to think about all the muscles that you use when you do uh, this process and you preach that you usually spend some time in a text of scripture and you spend some time marinating in it, sitting in it. Maybe you compare translations or maybe you've been trained enough to look in the original languages. You do a little Hebrew, you do a little Greek, you do some exegesis. But then you probably test your own observations against resources like commentaries where you read about Jewish or Greco-Roman backgrounds or word studies. You explore your own hunches and you explore it against what other experts or what other scholars have said in this field. But even after you do that and after you've kind of spent this time in study and observation and comparison, uh, you've got to think about what this text is saying. Like, what's the main point? You have to interpret a text of scripture. You've got to take it through to ethics or theology. Where does this inform these larger issues, these larger questions of life? And then you have to go from this horizon of the world of the text, the world of the Bible, and you need to move into the horizon of your own congregation. And um, both can be just as perplexing. The, the world of the first century or the world of your congregation have its own issues, but you have to bring it to your own particular time, to our own particular world, uh, to your own particular people. You have to bring it through your own life. You have to contextualize it. You've got to think about your own social location, your own context. And then you have to go through this process of crafting a sermon, writing a sermon, composing a homily, asking what the main point is. You have to stand at the crossroads of all these great observations that you've just made about the text, and you have to realize, I can't put all those into a message. And there are so many ways that this can all get communicated. There's so many decisions about what gets left in, what gets put out, what's on the cutting room floor, what do you need to communicate to your congregation. You've got to be uh, creative. You've got to use, think about teaching methods. You've got to think about media. You've got to think about illustrations. You've got to craft it. You've got to memorize it. You've got to deliver it. You've got to think of a congregational response. And, and sometimes you do this in isolation. Sometimes you do this in a team. But you do it all. We all do this in the hope that in some mysterious way that God is actually going to be present in a meaningful way that God's going to show up and that God is going to use these words of scripture and the words of delivery and that God is going to do something extraordinary, that God is going to do all of this. That And, and maybe also this idea that even while you're preparing, that God is doing something within your own heart, within your own soul, that there's spiritual formation taking place. And you think about all those steps and then you think about the the what what pastors do that are the main teaching pastors in their churches that not only do they do it this week but they do it the next week and the week after that and sunday is relentless it is always coming and there's always this this tension that something must be said next sunday you add all of this up and you realize that all of these things require very different sets of muscles. And you realize that some of these things pump me up. They pump you up. Uh, some of these things give you energy. But some of these steps, some of these things, they make you want to crawl into the fetal position. 
and you feel very inadequate to the task of actually doing some of these things. And so your seminary training may or may not have prepared you for all that you do in all of this. And then you stand up there in the pulpit and you give this message. And most people in the congregation, they care about these 30 minutes. These are very, these are very significant moments in their day, in their week, and they're looking to be fed. And uh, some people might even listen. Some people might even come up and talk to you about it after the service. And they might say something, hey, I really appreciate when you said this. And they might say something that you had really thought about and really crafted. And then they might even say, boy, I really appreciated it when you said this. And you're like, I never said that. Uh, That's my favorite. Um, But in my experience of being a pastor and preaching regularly, it is the process that has proved so formative for me. More so than even the sermon itself, the finished product, um, in, in the process, there's so much that has been discovered and so much that is left on the cutting room floor and so much that perhaps God had shown up in the process. And I just labored to try to let the congregation into that and sometimes succeeding, but sometimes only being able to give this kind of glimpse into what has happened during my week that has made this so significant. And I think the interesting thing about this, and as I've been doing these interviews and as I have been thinking about this and talking to people, everyone has a secret sauce about how all this works, a certain way that works for them about how this gets done, the lead up to speaking, the prep the week before or the months before. And there's this very kind of personal and human way this all gets done. And sometimes you don't think about your pastor as a human being, but they are. And, you know, the amount of time that this takes, um, it seems as though on average that most people will say that the 15-hour mark is the average. Um, I tended to take about 20, but maybe that's because I was just an endless tinkerer about this. I've heard people go like 25 or 30 hours a week. Um But however amount of time that you spend in this, whether you do this alone in your office in total silence, or if you prefer the anonymity of the crowds of a coffee shop and kind of the ambient noise is the hum, that's your muse uh, to get you going. Maybe you have certain music you like to listen to. Um, Maybe you use speakers in your office or in headphones or earbuds or... um, Usually there's some, is, is there food involved with, with this kind of a process? Is there uh, coffee, tea, or maybe you're, you like diet, Dr. Pepper or whatever? I don't know. Um, but there's something very human about how this all gets done. Um, whether you use a typewriter or a computer or you would like to handwrite things out. Do you use Bible software, original languages? I definitely want to have um, at least one of these uh, podcasts on technology and how does technology affect um, sermon writing, sermon delivery, um, and how can all that how can all that stuff work together? And even to talk about the idea, what are your your kind of um, most helpful resources, your commentaries, Bible dictionaries? Do you listen to other podcasts in this sense? Um, there's also this this sense in which um, like if you are most pastors, that all of this is done in relative isolation. And that can be kind of lonely, especially if it's not going so well. Uh, Kelly would always ask me, 
um, <laughs> how's the sermon going? And my answer was always, it's horrible. It's horrible until it's done. Uh, you know, when it's done, it'll be it'll be all right. But right now, it's unformed and it's done. And when you're doing that in isolation, that can produce some anxiety depending on your personality type and um, your Enneagram number or all of that stuff. So, um, you know, the, uh, people don't know that this happens. People don't know that all of this stuff goes on, but there's this very human way that this goes on and they people show up on Sunday expecting that the pastor has something to say, that it's biblical, that it's meaningful, that it's something they haven't heard before, and that it's life-changing. That's it. That's all. No problem. Go ahead and try to do that week in and week out. Um, so maybe you're doing this in isolation. Maybe you're doing this with a teaching team. I definitely want to have some conversations with pastors and maybe teams that are doing this and talk about the dynamics of collaboration or, or how you might, if you are isolated, how you might incorporate some of the collaboration that might be helpful with team. And maybe even this podcast is a chance to do some, um, some remote collaboration and just thinking out loud with some of this stuff. So I thought we might have some conversations about this, about with people who are doing it in a variety of settings and in a variety of traditions, um, going from text to message, from passage to message. So that's what we're going to be doing. And there's a few reasons why this podcast, this conversation has been on my mind for these past few months and why I'm actually launching this thing out. For one things, one of the things that I enjoy most about teaching my courses at Fuller Seminary and in my time teaching undergrads at Biola University is when we would make time in class for the whole class during the week to make observations about a passage, study through a passage on their own. And then typically with these, if we meet once a week, we would have these three hours and I would put, set aside the last hour of class for us as a whole class to go through verse by verse and to make observations out of this passage. And as they've observed the passage through the week, and then we convene, we would go through this and we would ask, well, what do we need to know about this verse? And there's something about having that interpretive community that students of all ages, from all denominational backgrounds, different genders, different ethnicities, different home-based theological traditions. And for me, that hour of class has been absolutely life-giving. It's been energizing. Some of the greatest times in my own teaching career have been when a thoughtful class has gathered around a really sticky passage and we hash it out. So that's one of the reasons why I, I, I definitely want to be geeking out about passages, Old Testament, New Testament, Hebrew, Greek, some of that, those first stages of making observations in a passage. But the second reason for this podcast is that um, even if you are a seminary student and you've gone through seminary um, or, uh, or if you're thinking about seminary, just one thing for me is that there is no one single class in seminary where a student goes from the text, exegesis of the text, geeking out in the text, to interpretation. What is it doing here? What does this passage mean? What is it doing in the Bible? What is it theologically implying? and then going to apply it or contextualizing the passage for the here and now as it relates to the congregation, to the faithful living their lives in their community, and then struggles through the creative process of putting it into message form, the, the actual art of communicating it, and all of this, doing this while paying attention to what's going on 
within my own soul while I'm meeting these strange horizons of the world of the Bible and the world of my congregation and the horizon of my own journey with God. And even as I say this, it just sounds crazy what I just described. And you think, well, what kind of freak does this? And you do. You're the freak who does these sort of things. But there's no one class, there's no one place where all of this happens. We have classes for all these different things, exegesis, Greco-Roman backgrounds, Hebrew backgrounds, Jewish backgrounds, uh, the Bible is literature. We have classes where we engage in interpretation, where we, uh, we apply towards mission or towards psychology or towards theology, where we're taught how to write and preach, but we don't have any one place where we do all of these things, where there's one conversation. Now, maybe you're in a situation, you're in a church, you're on a staff where you've had a, uh, an internship or you had a residency where you had a great place where you could do all of those things. But it was kind of accidental in some ways that there was no one place where all of this happened. So what I want to do is I want to create a place in a community where we can have that sort of conversation. Um, and so in my experience, it's been this process that has been so formative for me. And so what I want to do is make some place, uh, some space to have this conversation, is to have this conversation about the Bible, studying it, being surprised by it, coming in wonder of it, and then trying to communicate it. And whether you're doing this in what feels like obscurity, where you're the only person on staff, you're the only person, you're preaching to a congregation of 20, 30, 40 people at a time, or maybe there are thousands of people showing up every Sunday to hear you. Whether you're in a large church or a small church, it, it doesn't matter to me. Maybe you've been doing this for 20 years, or maybe you're just getting going. Maybe you preach 50 sermons a year, which is crazy. Um, or maybe you just preach one week out of the year, one crack at the pulpit for the year. I don't care. I want to have that conversation with whoever is doing this because I think it can invigorate all of us in this process. I think we can learn little bits. Maybe we can think, hey, I can try that. Maybe we think I'm not very good at that, but this person is, and I want to learn from that person. I want to talk about the secret sauce that makes your messages your messages and where God is at in that process. I want you to find your voice. Gosh, if I think about all the times I was trying to preach and sound like somebody else, I want you to find your voice. I want you to find where God has been at in this process for you and is at in this process for you. I want I, I ultimately I want to see I want you to see and I want me to see the correlation between this vigorous preparation time that gives you maybe that extra ounce of confidence as you stand in the pulpit. Or even that the prep time that gives you that extra ounce of anxiety because you should have some anxiety if you're bringing a tough passage before your congregation. Or maybe just through the process of preparation, that little extra bit of wonder that can come out through the way you bring this message so that your congregation can be as surprised by the passage as you have been surprised by the passage. There's this great mystery where you've been tasked by your people to go to the Word, to find something, and then deliver it to them so that you and they might be sustained by it or challenged by it or they might meet God in it. 
And that process is a beautiful trust that has been given to us as pastors, as preachers of the word. And I just want to explore that. And so, you know, if this sounds good, if you're like, I'm in, then awesome. There's a couple things that you can do. The first thing is this. Um, You can go to iTunes and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, The Teaching Pastor. We're doing this on podbean.com. You can go there if you want to listen on your computer and um, you can look for The Teaching Pastor on podbean.com. So those are a couple things you can do. Subscribe on iTunes, go to Podbean. Um, There's another thing you can do is you can go to our Patreon page. And you can hear a little bit about what we're doing and how you can help, um, how you can uh, even be a a patron of this, and you can help in this way. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Teaching Pastor. Um, And uh, so, yeah, this is is a great little experiment. would love to hear your feedback. I have an email for this, theteachingpastor at gmail.com. If you have a pastor you think would be a great conversation, let me know at theteachingpastor at gmail.com. So this is Craig Hill, and this is the Teaching Pastor Podcast.